0: Today, Marla is here to inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power with the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, she'll share heartwarming stories, teach you tips and tricks to building a successful business, plus how to unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset. And now, here's your host, Marla Tabaka.
1: And thank you for being here today on The Million Dollar Mindset. It is so wonderful to spend this time with you. And I've been looking forward to this show really, really, really a lot, as I usually do, but even more so because we have a fabulous guest lined up today. And uh, as a business owner or solo practitioner, if you are one, and you probably are if you're listening to this show, you really do have a mission, don't you? You know you know what you want. And, and sometimes a doesn't come to you quite in the way you would like it to and we all stumble but we're talking about that today about those wonderful talents that you have and those amazing gifts and the fact that sometimes just because you walk into the uh, business owning a business with those things in place you don't necessarily have the business savvy to make it happen and as a coach I see that so much and uh, you know we're here to tell you not to wait that uh, if you're ready to launch a business and you are a technician, in other words, you're a massage therapist, you're a fellow coach or what have you, then realize that there's a whole different side to running a business that you know nothing about. It's a great time to hire a coach. And uh, you know you may be more comfortable helping other people than trying to figure out how to use that technology or, or how to market your business or how to handle bringing on employees, onboarding, things like that should you need to do that. That. and so we're here today with a very special special guest a fellow business coach who's going to help us learn to live that passion and that purpose and make a great living Doing it, having plenty of time left over to enjoy that freedom that money can buy. We're here today with Tina Dietz, and Tina's the founder of the Start Something movement, and she's out to fulfill her mission of igniting 10,000 thriving businesses. I love that one. I love it. And Tina is an internationally acclaimed business coach, a best selling author, and speaker, and host of. The Start Something Show, and she's also a fourth-generation entrepreneur. Now, if you think she sounds accomplished, you'd be right, but I'm not done yet, so hold on. Tina is also a therapist who's well familiar with the challenges of raising a family and juggling multiple priorities while growing a business, and that is no small challenge. She's been featured on ABC and in national magazines and around the radio dial, so we're so glad you're dialed in to Million Dollar Mindset. Radio today. Hey, Tina Dietz, welcome to the show. Hey, Marla Tabaka. Thanks for having me. Well, it's such a pleasure. I've been very eager to have you on the air because I know from speaking with you on the few occasions we have spoken that uh, you've got a lot to share with the audience. In fact, you were on Million Dollar Mindset Radio, was that about two years ago?
2: Yeah, I actually think it was closer to three even possibly. Three? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, quite a journey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's start there. Tell us what's changed since you've been on the show three years ago.
2: Oh, well, uh, without getting into, um, you know, kind of the Ken Burns, you know, long, you know, miniseries version of things, what's <laughs> um, what's what basically happened is I stepped into this mission of 10,000 thriving businesses, geez, probably about four years ago at... The coaching of a mentor of mine, um, uh, much like uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, I'm a bit of a serial entrepreneur. i I probably have the worst case of shiny ball syndrome of almost anyone I've ever met, and that you know, I constantly have ideas. and I had a series of businesses that uh, did not fail because they were failing. They actually were growing like crazy, but I would get bored with them. And I had a mentor at the time who told me that, I needed to create something so large that I couldn't possibly do it myself, and I couldn't possibly, may not be able to fulfill that goal or mission in my lifetime. And that is where ten thousand thriving businesses uh, was born, not just from the business standpoint of it, but also in taking a look at the uh, the social, the family, the uh, the impact of of what that would really mean. Uh, for the world, and you know it it's something that really moves me on a lot of levels because even beyond all the business stuff, for me, business is an access point, and small business owners are the movers and shakers of this world. but for me the my my kind of super secret uh, mission inside of all of this is to impact uh, families and future generations so it's it's a it's a lot, a lot of levels to it. So that's what I've been working on for the past several years. And in and amongst all that, we did some crazy things like move to Costa Rica and all kinds of stuff.
1: That is crazy, but I love it. And, you know, I'm hearing of more and more coaches, actually, who are moving to Costa Rica. So I've got to get over there. It's obviously a very special place if my fellow coaches are moving there. Tina, you mentioned how, how you actually needed to, in order to build a business that you were happy with and, and that you wouldn't get bored with, uh, you needed to find what I call in my practice, the vision beyond the vision. And you identified yeah. that, yeah, that, that your business is the vehicle and that there's always something so much bigger, so much more than just running a business. And how, was there a process that you went through to to really get a grasp of that? How did you understand that you needed, for, for your satisfaction, you needed to jumpstart, you needed to ignite 10,000 businesses?
2: Well, you know, it was a matter of putting myself into my my own training and development, you know, which I've done a lot of over the years. Um, you know, a lot of folks uh, who I talk to who, who want to start businesses are kind of at that beginning of that personal development journey. Maybe they haven't gone to courses or seminars. Maybe they haven't worked with a coach before. And the truth of the matter is is that especially for solo entrepreneurs, but really for anyone who is in this conversation of what does it mean to be successful beyond money? like including money, but also beyond money, to have the sense of life satisfaction, uh, to have a family and relationships that are close, and and all these things that a lot of people, you know, say they want free time, the well-being, all of that. Uh, You know, a a lot of the work is done on an internal basis with help. Uh, And so I've had, you know, more training than <laughs> than most, <laughs> let's put it that way. As, as you have, you know, from our conversations, I know this, and I know this about most people who are highly accomplished and, and highly successful in what they do is uh, what a lot of people don't realize is how much of our time, energy, and, and money that we spend on our own development um, because we are kind of the franchise players of the game we're playing. But it, going back to your question about, you know, how did the, the mission come it really was this process of starting businesses and loving them and nurturing them and seeing them grow. And then the sense of dying almost like they, you know, it wasn't enough. I would see something else. I would see something beyond it. It's it's the sense of climbing the mountain peak and having this moment of triumph and then turning your head and seeing the next mountain peak. That's even a little bit higher. And, um, and and wanting to get there. So I had to create a container that was so large that I I almost couldn't wrap my arms around it. But I could create all these different ways, all these different pathways to to get there. And that's so uh, so I had to create something that big to to keep inspiring me. And you know, and you do the math like I sat down with a cost engineer and we actually did the math on okay what does a thriving business look like financially, and then what impact does that have, and at what rate does the thriving you know need to happen all of that just to kind of quantify what that looks like and and the impact really, even with a thriving business you know. Let's say that means that um, a solo owner is bringing home $100,000. When you get to that 10,000 thriving businesses and all of the people that that impacts, the ripple effect, it's multi-billions of dollars of impact in the global economy. But more than that, it's really about people thriving at all levels and bringing that home to their families, bringing that home to their kids, bringing that home to their communities. And being that living example that, you know, you really, you know, when, when I think of people who are being successful, I think of being a role model.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you talk about role models and living examples that that is it's the way I see it as a coach as well is is that when you and I help someone to step into their power to to learn and understand and embrace what their vision truly is that's something that just keeps on giving beyond the person that we've touched in some way or we've coached or who's read our articles or listened to our radio shows or seen us on television it just goes and keeps on giving and giving and and you 're a great example of that because you're a fourth generation entrepreneur so four generations ago somebody touched a great 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 grandparent or someone in your family and it's kept on giving for for this many years it's amazing
2: yeah it does continue to unfold and you know the i 'm not even sure if it goes back further than um, than that but you know my great Great grandfather was a um, kind of traveling tailor, mm-hmm. and that's how, that's how he made his living, going into neighborhoods and doing tailoring for people, door to door. Wow! And yeah, and from all accounts that I've been able to find out, he was a big extrovert uh, in doing that. And um, then my my grandparents. I uh, also owned uh, a coffee shop, a cafe, a little diner. Um, my And then I grew up inside of my parents' business. They sold wood-burning stoves and fireplaces, of all things. But oh. we lived inside the business. We lived upstairs, and the business was downstairs. So I started going to trade shows. I started answering phones when I was four. Oh, I started going to trade shows when I was about six. So it's always been water to the fish for me all these years. And yet you've worked... In, have you worked in
1: large companies in the past, or have you worked with large companies in the past?
2: A little bit of both. Um, I did actually um, dabble in working in uh, corporate, in uh, banking, on the um, actually on the information technology side of things briefly, and in human resources briefly, and got the lay of the land there. But my my background in training is as a therapist, and I actually didn't think I was going to be an entrepreneur because I saw what my parents went through in a bricks-and-mortar business, not having any mentoring, not just kind of figuring it out as they went. They had a very successful business. Tina, we're actually going to go into our first break
1: already, and we'll be right back with Tina Deets. Stay tuned.
0: Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. This is Uncommon Sense
3: for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. It's never heard.
1: Recently, I was returning from a summer vacation, using my GPS to guide me through the New Mexico mountains, and got lost. Since I was alone, I decided to see if my iPhone pal Siri, the lovable anthropomorphic virtual assistant, could help with my situation. Siri has earned a bit of a reputation as a sarcastic, sassy, and brickety companion, often engaging in humorous baffle gab. Siri is entertaining, but I found it a bit unnerving as she kept asking me questions by calling my name, like, Carolyn, I cannot find any gas stations within 80 miles of your location. Or, Carolyn, there are no hamburger restaurants near here. What's a word for feeling your thoughts are being stolen? Neucleptia. It's Words You Never Heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas.
0: Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset. On com, And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka.
1: And I hope that you'll visit me over in Inc. Magazine online, and you'll find me at Inc.com slash author slash Marla hyphen Tabaka. And I posted a piece this morning, an article on uh, failing uh, to do well with fail failure and uh, four reactions to failure that won't serve you well and, and how to turn those around, how to keep an eye open uh, to see if you're dealing with the what you see as failure well and uh, really turn it into a benefit. So make sure to check that out at Inc.com. Just search for Marla Tabaka. And and we're here with Tina Dietz. And Tina, going into break, uh, you mentioned that you are a therapist. And and before we jump into talking about what in the heck an OASIS-based business is, um, I'd love to know, how do you Transition and and maybe even why did you transition from therapist to
2: coach? Well, I was kind of unknowingly unemployable, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. And this it actually ties in very nicely to your topic you just mentioned on failure, which is a phenomenal topic. Uh, I'm going to go read your article after the show today um, uh, because it really that that's kind of how things go. It uh, Finding my path, and and when I work with my clients, same thing. Sometimes it's your best teachers are what we would call our failures. And uh, I actually went to school to work with uh, kids in schools and teenagers especially. And when I found out, um, when I hit the working world, that I had a lot of assumptions about how work gets done from this entrepreneurial upbringing that I had I didn't know that that was not the norm. I didn't know that, you know, you just don't jump in and get things done and create new stuff and make things happen. I, that that's generally not how the world works, and when you're working in a large institution. And you had asked me if I had worked uh, in large organizations or with large organizations, and I said some of both. And uh, besides my some brief experiences I had in the corporate world, I worked a lot for large educational institutions, colleges, universities, and also uh, K through 12 schools. And what I really found through the entire experience is that if I didn't have autonomy, if I didn't kind of have the reins to mold a project, then I really wasn't happy. And I also uh, found out very quickly that, um, getting things done getting them done well and getting them quickly could also be very intimidating to folks who didn't operate inside of that kind of headspace and um and that kind of assumption so and i'm also an advocate so i was advocating for these young people and that's not often what a public school wants mostly they want their kids to be quiet and obedient and uh i don't really fit with quiet and obedient so that didn't really <laughs> work for me so I found a a group of people who was already kind of in the process of exploring starting a teen center, and we went on to create two teen leadership centers in the uh, suburbs and inner city of the western New York area, which was just an incredible ride. Mm Sounds like
1: you're a nonconformist like most of the coaches I know. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's great. What an what a incredible background you have. And, and you talk in, in your business about creating an Oasis-based business, and I'm very curious as to what you mean by an Oasis-based business.
2: Yeah. Uh, an Oasis-based business, very simply, is a business that is a source of refreshment, both for the people you serve, and you as the owner and the people who work for you or with you. So, you know, we we don't become entrepreneurs because we want to work 80 hours a week and burn ourselves out. But right. we're willing to do that in order to work for ourselves and to have that creative control many times. Uh, but it doesn't have to be that way. And this kind of points back to One of the points about my parents is that I hadn't thought I was going to start a business or run a business because I saw the level of burnout, especially for my mom, when I was growing up. And I could not imagine living my life that way and also being tied to something that would have me in one place for 40, 50, 60 hours a week waiting for somebody to walk in the door. It doesn't doesn't suit my constitution and also creatively didn't didn't suit me well either. So with this new era of the internet and mobility and this kind of unlimited resources and creativity that we have at our fingertips, it's allowed me and, you know, thousands and thousands of other people to to get creative with our business models and and have ways of doing things that really suit what we want for our lifestyle. So the oasis-based business is just that. You're really living A life and having a business that is by your design so you can serve the people that you serve best and maintain this high level of well being and satisfaction and love for your life at the same time.
1: And you really do uh, walk your walk and talk your talk, as we say, because you have children and and a husband, and you live internationally, and and, uh, I know currently you're in Costa Rica and you're in Florida, you're in New York, so this is the kind of of level of freedom that that you've managed to achieve and that uh, I'm guessing that you help your clients to achieve.
2: Yeah, even even the clients I have, as many of my clients, they don't necessarily want to be that kind of vagabond. Some do. I have a client who is uh, about to uh, leave for. She booked a one-way ticket to Bali, mm. and uh, she's uh, headed to Bali and then to Costa Rica and some other places. And she really has embraced this incredible travel lifestyle and blowing up her her business. It's awesome. And then I have other folks who are, you know, chiropractors, massage therapists, real estate agents who who are creating that freedom inside of this this beautiful container they have of their community so it's really about the freedom and what freedom means to you and what success means to you so that they can have it how they want it. Mm-hmm. And that's
1: for me. That's one of the most important questions I can ask my clients right at the onset. Because um, you know, one of the questions on my intake form is: is success means uh, many things to different people. What exactly does it mean to you? And and also, you know, how how do you know when you've achieved it? And I have found across the board that at least in the top three, even usually I would say number one value of entrepreneurs is freedom and uh and that's what you teach people to gain.
2: Yeah, completely, completely. Do you find too that you know the what people think should be their primary motivator is often not their primary Absolutely. motivator like, you know? Mhm. It's yeah, funny. Ab- Yeah,
1: it is funny. They come into coaching and, and, uh, for instance, it may be all about the money and uh, all about finding the next clients. And as soon as they let go of that resistance and that fear, they discover that vision beyond the vision that you and I have talked about that that you've so wonderfully um, claimed for yourself. And and that's when things really get moving.
2: Exactly. Or they're embarrassed that money isn't their prime motivator. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, You know, and it, it actually yep. is kind of stopping them from moving forward. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's getting to the root of it.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's, it's, it's such amazing fun. So, so what do you see in your clients and the people that, that you're acquainted with in business? What, what do you think stops people commonly from developing the lives that they want to create for themselves?
2: You know, it sounds simplistic, but it really boils down to fear. Mm-hmm. Right. It really boils down to fear in, in one way or another. And fear in creative people often manifests in resistance of one kind or another. Um, and it could be, you know, everything from uh, this isn't the right time to um, sometimes it's I don't have the money. Sometimes people really don't have the money. It just depends. Um a lot of times it's uh, oh, it's a time conversation, or I'm not organized enough. A lot of times it shows up as an I'm not enough conversation. But it boils down it boils down to fear. And um, there's a one of my favorite books is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Are you familiar with it? I have not read it, but I will. Oh, it's so brilliant. And it's a fast uh-huh. read, too, which makes me even happier because I'm not a big nonfiction person. Uh-huh. <laughs> For all the personal development right. I do, I, uh, I'd you. rather I'm sit with down you. with a novel any day of the week. <laughs> me, too. But this book is one that I have a tendency to carry around because I find its presence that inspiring. And uh, he, was the, he was the author who wrote The Legend of Bagger Vance and some other best-selling uh, books, very well-known author. And he talks about, you know, this, Resistance and what we have to do as creators, is most business owners are creators, one kind or another, to deal with our own level of resistance. And uh, even our stories about how things should go, like when you own your own business, it should be, well, if you're living your purpose, quote unquote, and see my air quotes, then it'll all flow. And if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, yes and no. It, <laughs> there are days when it's a slog. There's, a day, there's days when it's, you know, not pretty. Empowerment isn't always pretty. Mm. Uh, and, and yet we have to work with our, our, ourselves so much. Um, and a lot of that actually is surrounding yourself with things in your life that kind of pull you into it, whether you like it or not. And that's why when people say, you know, you've got to have a tribe of like-minded people or it's important to have a coach or an accountability buddy, that all goes to that same conversation of your environment creating the conditions, let's say. It sounds very clinical. The environment creating the conditions where you basically can't get away with anything. It requires you to grow. and requires you to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. That's part yeah. of the oasis, too. And you, you have a tool
1: that you've developed, and I believe you call it the Perfect Day Planner Pack.
2: Tell mm-hmm. us about that. Tell us about it. Well, the Perfect Day Planner Pack evolved from an exercise I created a number of years ago called the Perfect Day Exercise. And I brought together um, the some of the psychology and also the neurology. Brain science is very important in the science of success. Brought some of that together and then um, my own love of doing voice work. Like you, you know, you'd mentioned I have a show and I also do some voice acting work. It's my uh, hobby I love very much. And I brought all that together into a visualization exercise Mm -hmm. that is designed to work with the processes already inherent in the brain uh, to help you focused on what you really want to create the future you're looking for. I want to hear more about this when we come back from this break, Tina. We'll be right back.
0: Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com.
3: Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, business and life coach, Carmen Carroza, can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style along with an innate ability to form connections with people gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carroza, business and life coach, on Forward Motion every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. You will realize dreams and aspirations you thought
0: were out of reach. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life... It all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka.
1: And I love being here with you every single Monday from 2 to 3 Eastern Time, but I also enjoy speaking with you in social. So please head on over to especially Twitter and Facebook. I'm especially active on on those two platforms, and you'll find me under Marla Tabaka at both at Marla Tabaka, Tabaka on Twitter, and my page is Marla Tabaka on Facebook. So let's connect. I look forward to that. And we have Tina Dietz with us here today, and Tina, going into break, you were talking about one of my very 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 favorite topics and that is the brain science behind making it all happen and uh, how your perfect day planner pack gets into that and helps people visualize that perfect day tell us a little bit more about that
2: well the the perfect day exercise was is neurologically tuned and and when you do visualization exercises there's uh, so many brain structures that get activated and it's that's what makes it so powerful. And um, and Marla, you and I could probably spend days and days and days talking yeah. about <laughs> the <laughs> neurological aspects of things. because It's fascinating. And we're these beautifully complicated and gorgeously designed beings. And we have this machinery, this incredible machinery in our heads and our whole bodies, really. Mm-hmm. And the when we're talking about activating these innate brain structures that help us, We do that through stories. We do that through visualizations and we often do it through repetition because the same processes that we use to create memory or that we use to create habits, we can use intentionally and use intentionally uh, through exercises like the, like the perfect day planner pack. So you do the perfect day exercise, which allows you to create a very visceral, very embedded vision of a full day in your future, five years from now. And when you do that, you do this in this particular way. It activates your brain's memory producer. So you're really creating a memory five years into the future. Mm. And it's a little tentative because it's just something you've done once, but you can reinforce it. And, And why you want to do that is because the brain hates a vacuum, And when you create, activate these memory processes and you create these very visceral sensations and feelings and and intentional memories, the brain automatically starts to look for evidence, evidence that this memory has truth to it, that it has some kind of grounding in reality. And that's called attunement. It's the same phenomenon that starts to be activated when you might see, say, you know, Uh, a red Lamborghini or some unusual fancy car. And then you see five of them in one week and you Mm -hmm. go, where did all these come from? And you, you start to notice things in your environment that prove that it's true. And it's a subconscious to unconscious process that your brain does for you. And as you continue to reinforce the ways of being that you have created in this perfect day and you start to reinforce the sensations the physical sensations the visceral feelings that you've had in this perfect day through intentional processes then it's you're again you're you're embedding these ways of being you're embedding these neurological pathways and really helping your brain pull that future toward you so that you are paying attention to the opportunities, to the people, to the actions that are going to help you bring that day into reality. And not only that, it's also going to provide an enormous starting point for you to build a strategic plan that's going to help you in reality, you know, bridge that gap between where you are now and the day you want to create, including your business.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're opening up that reticular activating system, that filter, for, mm-hmm. for, to see and, and bring in those new opportunities. And, and, uh, and by staying in that practice is how we keep that vision alive. And, and uh, you know, powerful tools like the vision board and, and uh, visualization every day, if you can, is really important. What's your viewpoint on that? How do you help your clients keep their visions alive?
2: Well, one of the most important things to keep your vision alive, um, I, and I love all the repetition and the habit building and, and even visual cues like a vision board, but I think what's even more powerful, and this is actually at, is part of the Perfect Day Planner Pack, is a, is a challenge. It's a comfort challenge. It's a leadership challenge, and it also helps accelerate bringing your perfect day into reality. And so when you do the perfect day exercise, then you write it down. That's paramount. And I even provide a worksheet with some writing prompts in it because not everybody is comfortable looking at a blank page, me included. But then what you really want to do with that perfect day is to share it. And so the bonus round, the challenge, is to share your perfect day with at least 30 people. Mm. Email it out. Share it on social media. Share it with your kids, your spouse, your friends, whatever. And that starts to create some reality in the world. Now you're speaking it. Now you're sharing it. Now you're giving it some reality. And that opens you up and opens other people up to contributing to you. And it's, it's really funny because it's, it's often a big challenge for folks to be that vulnerable. But to be a leader, to step out and say, I want this, is something that we have to start to develop some muscle in. And this is a great way to start doing that. I've had some pretty cool stuff happen out of people sharing their perfect day. It's pretty neat.
1: I love that. And so is this something that, that our listeners can find on your website,
2: or how do they access it? Yeah, it's part of the free membership of being a super at at the, the StartSomethingShow.com. Perfect. Perfect.
1: So at the top of the show, we're talking about solopreneurs and uh, solo practitioners and and actually how how very different it is to actually run a business than work for someone else and and be wonderful in your craft. And uh, in my experience, marketing is one of the biggest stumbling blocks for uh, solo practitioners when they decide to hang their own shingle. How do you address dealing with with the marketing mysteries when someone's, Mm -hmm. you know, naturally trying to do it all by
2: themselves? Well, yeah, marketing is one of those things that it depends on how the person's approaching it and what their experience or thoughts are. So, I mean, you, you and I both know a lot of times marketing gets collapsed with sales. Right, And they're really very distinct. So dealing with marketing is really dealing with relationships and how do you like to build relationships? How do you like to have people get to know you? How do you like to get to know other people? And then from there, there are so many options, incredible options, um, for how to go about doing just that. And I think it's extremely important to assess what you're already doing well. What platforms and, and methods of communication you're already really comfortable with, and building from there, um, always always build with your strengths. If you're an excellent writer, then you go with modalities that are going to allow you to use your writing skills. If you love to be on a stage, you love to talk with people, you're going to you know do things that involve using that. Um, trying to work against strength is so counterproductive, especially when you're looking to build momentum. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and once once you kind of have your avenues uh, mapped out, I use something called a marketing wheel with my clients. Uh, and we also look to leverage what you're already doing and how different ways that we can use what you've already created. Um, I've taught a, a workshop for an, uh, a while now called 12 Months of Marketing in One Hour that kind of lays out a leveraging plan uh, for how you can use these materials that you've already created in a number of different ways so you're not reinventing the wheel and exhausting yourself all the time. And then, of course, there's outsourcing.
1: <laughs> there's <that too. laughs> uh-huh. Outsourcing. Now let's go on to that topic because that is when I do work with a solo practitioner or solopreneur, that is a complaint I hear all the time a i can 't afford it, and so we have to give them the formula to to be able to afford it yeah. to understand the importance of it but but also then, no one can do it the same way I do you know they they're just not going to care as much as i do it's um eager to hear what your answers to that are
2: i, I think it's a, again it's I tend to approach things from a training standpoint, much like anyone would approach uh learning a martial art or learning how to run a marathon. Um, my coaching approach is very much. Similar to that, where I'm looking at my client's strengths, I'm looking at the goals that they have, I'm looking at their level of performance and uh, looking to fill in the gaps with support around that and, you know, help raise them up as we go with, with this building their internal muscles as well as the external muscles of working with other people getting the word out there being in you know having their voice out in the world and their work out in the world and with outsourcing in particular if someone's really resistant to getting started with that i usually have people experiment with non-critical tasks that are small that are inexpensive usually something on fiverr or something of the like to just get folks comfortable with the the entire idea of hiring someone and seeing what it's like but not making it so that it's something well, so, for example, um you know hiring somebody to on Fiverr, just seeing what's interesting to them uh, and getting an ebook cover done for a book they haven't even written yet mm. you know just to to have that experience and spend you know ten dollars five dollars ten dollars on having that done or having some social media post written for them uh, or something of the like, just to get in building this muscle of outsourcing, um, editing a video they may have shot. And maybe they like the video, maybe they don't, but they're, you're only spending 20, 20 or $30 on the editing. And then you get to know what you, how you are as a manager, yeah. which for most people is a whole other set of muscle building that they may not have had. And everyone has managerial styles. Most of us, if we haven't managed people, we don't even know what our managerial style is yet. So again, that's that's something you you grow into. Mm-hmm.
1: And we only have a few seconds before break. But you mentioned Fiverr. Any other resources
2: that you favor? A lot of word of mouth. I ask for referrals constantly, especially from colleagues on Facebook groups. Hmm. Yeah,
1: definitely. And, and uh, Fiverr, if, if you're not familiar with it, is Fiverr.com. F-i-v-e-r-r.com. So check that out. That's that's. Uh, you you've got to weed through a lot, um, but you, you can find some really really talented people there and very inexpensively, as you had mentioned. So when we come back from this break, we're going to talk more about marketing and uh, perhaps some multiple streams of income topics. We look forward to seeing you on the other side of this break.
0: It's the Fitness
3: Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
2: To get the most nutrients, is it better to cook vegetables or to eat them raw? The answer is not black and white. Some nutrients in vegetables, like tomatoes, are actually enhanced during the cooking process. A study by Cornell University found that heat increases lycopene levels and makes it easier for the body to absorb this vital antioxidant. But research from Food and Nutrition Science found that raw vegetables contain higher levels of antioxidants cooking methods decrease water-soluble nutrients such as vitamin c and can drop vegetables an important nourishment for the body the bottom line whether vegetables are cooked or raw you'll get more benefit and nutrition from the vegetables you eat than the ones you don't consuming five to nine servings of vegetables a day is the best approach for the fitness minute i'm annette hammond
1: Thank you so much for joining us here today with Tina Dietz. And, Tina, going into break, we were talking about marketing. And, uh, you know, it, it led me to think about entrepreneurs who are actually um, – Multiple business marketing. So, so they may have a business inside of a business or, or a secondary business and uh, they're, they're attempting to create multiple streams of income. What, what are your opinions on uh, small business owners having multiple income streams?
2: Well, you know, like I said earlier, I have a, a bad a case of shiny ball syndrome and, you know, idea overwhelm as any entrepreneur out there. So I'm constantly managing myself around, oh, oh, I've got this great idea and I can see how everything is going to map out. And, um, one of my, my goals with, uh, start something is to actually grow, um, you know, the size of that movement in that container so that these ideas that I have and that other people have can have a home that we can build teams and that people can run with ideas and and more of these good ideas can get created and out there. But in general, what I find with uh, the clients that I work with, especially solo entrepreneurs, is there comes a point fairly quickly in your business where you do want to have some multiple income streams, not necessarily totally different businesses, but things that make sense to kind of nest together. Um, I'll give an example, um, more of a bricks-and-mortar example. Uh, I was working with a cupcake shop some years ago, and, you know, opening up your doors on a storefront is a risky business. It has a high level of investment, a high level of time and energy, and especially with something like cupcakes that have a... Quite literally short shelf life um, you've got to you've got to move product and the, the the couple that I was working with these two business partners were absolutely exhausted and they had had some work with done some catering and been quite successful at doing some catering but when they opened the doors on this business they didn't expect the, the level of time and attention it was going to take and what it was going to take to get foot traffic in the door and uh, we actually employed a kind of a a really cool strategy that has worked out extremely well for them, where instead of being so focused on the foot traffic, we focused on what they were already doing well, which was the catering business. And we built out three income streams that really only kind of had to do with getting people in the door for their storefront. One was increasing their catering events for um, not just weddings, but also baby showers that were off-site, um, the second one was to bring people in for events, not just uh, foot traffic, but actual events at their shop, including birthday parties, um, you know, other events. We did a really cool Men in Cupcakes event that was super cool. <laughs> <laughs> they <That sounds laughs> made beef cakes, you know, everything was great. And then the third one was corporate and actually corporate gifts and corporate giving. And it worked out extremely well for them and snowballed into way more foot traffic. Um, So rather than focusing on signage or uh, advertising and spending a lot of money in that way, we really focused on income streams that were going to build them a more immediate income, uh, allowed them to be very proactive, and then it all kind of built on itself. And uh, that first year, you know, they they broke over six figures, and you got to sell a lot of cupcakes. Oh yeah, to make yeah. six figures in cupcakes. So yeah. they they were off to the races, and they continue to to grow and thrive and all of that. And and it's really not a whole lot different when you translate that to an online business, except you've got a lot less overhead. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Selling cupcakes online probably would have been quite a lot easier for them, as I learned when I had my coffee house, although selling coffee online, hot cups of coffee wouldn't have
2: worked. (laughs) Actually, you know, it's funny, the online portion of selling cupcakes wasn't great for them because they did everything from scratch, 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 your grandma's cupcakes, you know, and they really didn't do that well when, when they, then they got shipped, which is one of the reasons we didn't focus on that. Mm. Um, So it sometimes businesses don't translate well, but coffee beans and ground coffee and coffee accessories, oh, hell yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They do very well. Yeah, yeah, very well. yeah. So you know, part of
1: part of marketing is is networking, and uh, I worked with a client actually just last week who was very opposed to networking and of course you know so we went into his definition of networking right and, and he's very much an introvert and uh, I explained to him he said I'm, I'm, I'm never going to change who I am I'm an introvert and I said that uh, you know we're not going to change who you are we're only going to bring out your strengths and utilize your strengths and gifts in a very different way and and then he could embrace the the uh, the power of networking, and he is doing amazingly well with it now. Do you run into that often? Do you find um, that many small business owners are sort of adverse to networking?
2: Some are and some aren't. I find that most of them do, though don't know really how to utilize networking. As I'm, you know, your same same thing you find with your clients that. It, you know, you go to a networking event. Yes, it's about the event, but the event is only the beginning. It's an opening. It's like dating. It's a lot like dating, you know. You just don't uh, go to, you know, on a date with somebody and marry them. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. There, There is a relationship process that that goes into, you know, a time and attention. And we don't build relationships. We don't want to date everybody. So being intentional about networking is extremely important. Finding out, can you find out who might be there? A lot of times our SVP lists, especially if the event is on something like meetup.com, you can see who's going to be there and think, oh, well, okay, I'm going to go and, and check this. Uh, I want to make sure I want to connect with this person or that person, or maybe even connect with them ahead of time you know that's that's one thing for introverts especially extroverts too uh one of my favorite suggestions for introverts is the first time they go to a networking event is to ask the organizer or one of the organizer's friends hey this is my first time here at this event is there anyone who who are some of the best people for me to meet in this room i'm really looking to meet people who are x you know whatever industry or whatever kind of thing, would you mind introducing me around a little bit? Most organizers, will, you know, either have somebody that will help you or they'll do it themselves, and that cuts out so much of the middleman because then you go right to meeting the people that you really want to start meeting, and the conversation is started for you, and that's really helpful. Uh, you know, it's like the, the sitcom How I Met Your Mother and the thing they used to do in the bar. Where I'm familiar with the show. They go, have you met Ted? It's, it's uh, you know, the same kind of thing, but a little yeah. more professional yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the conversation just can can interact uh, more naturally and more automatically. But it's and the follow up. That's the key. It is. It is. The follow up's the most important. And, mm-hmm. and that is
1: where I see so many people drop the ball as totally. well yeah yeah and uh, I think it's important to identify your favorite ways to network as well it doesn't necessarily mean going to networking events um, it can mean a lot of things I mean my goodness I use my radio show to network is a great is a great opening right
2: hey do you want to be do. on a radio show <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> right and, and you know I, I love the social media platforms and people say oh you don't get business on social media well I'll tell you what I probably get about 50 percent of my business from social media so um that's that's, fabulous yeah it really is because you're you're creating those long-term relationships and you're having that conversation and it may not be as speedy as meeting someone at a networking event um but but you can cultivate so many more relationships when you get into uh multimedia and into social media i'm sorry and multimedia
2: completely (laughs) I do this crazy thing here every so often I will individually email, uh, and I have the process for, you know, cutting down the amount of time it takes to do this, I'll individually email um, all the folks on my LinkedIn list or a segment of them and see if they, you know, want to have a chat about what they're doing and collaborating on, and I'll explain a little bit about what I'm up to, and I end up getting to connect much more deeply Yes. With uh, the folks on my LinkedIn list, and that usually ends up either in clients or joint venture opportunities, or um, me providing resources, which is always awesome, or, or clients. Yeah, yeah, and
1: I just love LinkedIn because there's this this sort of. Um, it, An assumption, basically. There's this trust that's built just merely by being connected to somebody. So it it just paves the way so beautifully simply because you're connected. I love it. So we just have a couple of minutes here left in the show, and this has just been so much fun, Tina. Thank you so much for being here today. And uh, I know that you have some some programs that that I'd love our listeners to to hear about. And uh, a a website called YourBusinessOasis.com. dot com. Tell us a little bit about what we'll find there.
2: Well, YourBusinessOasis.com dot com is part of Start Something, and what it is is just a. I had so many questions from folks about how we freed ourselves up, uh, with, from, you know, with time wise, freed ourselves of debt, freed ourselves from this kind of nine to five rat race and moved to Costa Rica, all of that, that I sat down and, um, it was my most popular teleseminar ever. Uh, I did a one hour free class outlining the five principles that is very principle based, uh, that we use to, to create that lifestyle, to create time and money freedom, because I really wanted people to have all of that. So I turned that into a downloadable uh, class for folks, and it sells absolutely nothing. It is a one-hour mini course, and it's got exercises and things you can do and all of that to um, to help create yourself some momentum and and understand what's necessary to create that kind of life and that kind of business. So if you go to yourbusinessoasis.com, you can get that for free and download it and you'll be off to the races. That's fabulous. Thank you.
1: That's a wonderful gift. And where will we find you in social media?
2: Oh, good Lord. If you Tina Dietz, you'll find me almost, almost everywhere. Almost everywhere. So social media, uh, Twitter, I'm on at Tina Dietz. Uh, on, uh, Facebook, the Facebook page is actually 10,000 Thriving Businesses, uh, Google Plus, of course, and, um, LinkedIn, um, and, uh, if you're, if you're connecting with me and for some reason I don't respond, send me a little note. Let me know how you heard about me, yeah. uh, cause I get a lot of requests and, uh, to connect and, um, I am, I don't take everybody because I'm okay. just about who yeah, I connect with. Yeah. So,
1: send teeth,
2: me a little teeth. note.
1: Thank you so much for being on Million Dollar Mindset Radio, and I encourage you all to tune in to Tina's show, the Start Something Show.com. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for being a part of the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka on Toginat. If you've always known there was more out there for you, but you just weren't sure how to get there, and if